We hope you enjoy our homily podcast. Please consider supporting the ministry of Our Lady of Lords by donating to the Future Full of Hope Capital Campaign at lordsdenver.org. We are so grateful for your support. Well, good morning. And welcome to the Jesus Christ School of Compassion. We have the, uh, we have the call of Andrew and Peter, James and John, um, next to the, the sea of, maybe the lake of, I'll get to that, uh, Galilee, as our gospel this morning. Um, we're at the beginning of uh, the ordinary time, and in ordinary time, the lectionary, the readings at Mass, point in the direction of discipleship. They teach us how to follow Jesus. Um, the first thing is to pay attention to the disciples in the Gospels, and then to follow them on their path of formation. Because they're not, they're not yet where Jesus wants to take them. They're at the beginning of the journey. But here it's a beautiful moment where Jesus meets them in a particular place. A place that the scriptures call a land of darkness, a land of gloom, land of death. Zebulun and Naphtali this Galilee of the Gentiles. Scriptures tell us that Jesus leaves his home in Nazareth and he goes to Capernaum. Capernaum is a little, uh, little village. Well, it wasn't little at the time. There were about 10,000 people in Capernaum during the time of uh, Peter and Andrew, James and John, when Jesus goes to start his public ministry in this town. Um, Capernaum is located in this Zebulun and Naphtali, Lands that are defined, are named after two of the tribes of Israel and are important for their history because the prophet Isaiah had said, this is a place of darkness, a place of darkness where God will bring light. He promises to bring light. Why darkness? Well, probably has something to do with the tragedy, the great tragedy in the memory of Israel, the people Israel, of the exile to Assyria. You remember that? <laughs> I'll tell you a little bit about that. Um, so Israel, the, the Old Testament tells the story of Israel, and there's a lot of ups and downs. There's great joys and moments of great sorrow. And one of those moments of great sorrow is uh, when the kingdom of the 12 tribes that were united under the kings of Israel breaks up for the first time. Um, the Assyrians, a neighboring people, conquer the, uh, the northern part of the Holy Land and send 10 of the 12 tribes into exile. This is a memory of great sorrow, of great tragedy. Breaking up the family of Israel, um, depriving them of their land, sending them away to be something like slaves again. And they knew that they were meant for freedom. Zebulun and Naphtali are the two lands, the tribal lands, that are at the, the northernmost point of uh, the Holy Land, where Assyrians would have first come and attacked. So this lives in the memory of Israel as the place of the great tragedy, the beginning of the great tragedy, a place of sorrow, a place of darkness. When they remember this place, it's a, it's, it's a cause of sadness and of fear. 
the land of darkness. There's more reason that the, the Capernaum sits at the darkest place in the dark. Capernaum is a little town, and at the base of this Sea of Galilee, well, I say it's not a sea, it's a lake. You can stand on one shore and see across pretty easily. You might be able to swim it if you're a good swimmer. Uh, it's more like a lake than a sea. Um, but it's, at the time, it was called the Sea of Galilee, so we can stick with that. In the Gospels, it's called the Sea of Galilee. So at the side of, at the side of this sea, you have this town of about 10,000, um, a fishing town, where, uh, that sits really at the base of a big valley. So the Sea of Galilee is the bottommost point that's surrounded by all of these hills. Uh, it's a beautiful area. The, the, uh, it's a grassy area. It's um, got some of the best agriculture in the Holy Land. Um, but it's a place of darkness. There at the bottom, you can think of um, this place in the shadows, overshadowed by the hills. Um, at the time, you know, a time when there was no electric light, you have a, a place that gets darker than other places very early on in the day. Um, it's a place that, that sits in darkness. It's, if, you, if you wanted to get a nice place in the Galilee, you should get a place on top of the hills. Because the top of the hills, from the top of the hills, you can see far into the distance. You can see the sunrise and the sunset. At the bottom of the valley, you can't see much. And, it's, and this town sits next to the sea that is a symbol in, throughout the Old Testament and in the consciousness of Israel of chaos. You remember creation. God rested over the waters of chaos. It's a place of darkness. It's a dangerous place. It's a place of, of mystery. This whole scene that is set by the gospel um, coming from the prophet Isaiah is a place of darkness and difficulty, a place of gloom. And it's to this place that Jesus goes. It's to this town called Capernaum. The etymology of Capernaum is uh, it's made up of words that mean the village of comfort. Village of comfort. Um, you can imagine these two guys, or these four guys, Peter and Andrew, James and John, who in this place of fear, like many of us, have carved out their own comfort. Well, they're, they're fishermen, and in this fishing town that was probably a hub for trade along a northern road that go, uh, route that goes west to the Mediterranean, there are, there are a lot of different towns to the east, and so a lot of people are traveling this road, and it would have been a hub for commerce. Um, and the best trade to be in was fishing. You know, here, uh, where caravans would stop to be supplied with food, um, you make pretty good money. And Peter and Andrew, James and John, it seems, with their family businesses, probably made good money. Um, they have a nice house. If you go to Capernaum today, you can see Peter's house. You can have Mass in Peter's house. Um, it's a beautiful church, beautiful to be there, um, to be there where Jesus had started his ministry. But you can see that it's a comfortable place. But Jesus walks in and breaks into their comfort and says, you come follow me. You know, changes everything. 
this place of darkness. He calls them out of darkness and challenges their comfort. He says, you come follow me. And immediately they go. This is beautiful. This is an invitation for each of us to respond to the word of the Lord, to go immediately, to sacrifice our own comfort. We spend so much time fighting to, to deal with our gloom, our sorrow, our sadness, our fear. And many of us spend our religious life praying, Lord, help me, fix this, fix that, take away these... There's, there's, we've come to know Jesus as one who loves us and wants to take away our sorrow and our fear, the problems in the world. He comes to Capernaum to work miracles. Some of us, he calls, you come follow me. You know? He threatens our comfort and he invites us to something deeper. Um, it's, it's an ironic place because although you have this place where everyone's eking out their own comfort and control and Jesus challenges their comfort, Jesus himself is God's response to the worry and the sorrow, the darkness of this place. A light has come. Light has come to Naphtali and Zebulun, to Capernaum. Jesus brings a light to the very bottom of this darkness, the heart of this darkness. And he walks into our place and says, you can join me and do the same. You can bring a light into the darkness. That's what it means to follow him. Um, but he wants to form his disciples. There's an interesting um, insight that I noticed from, uh, or was pointed out to me by this uh, scholar called Erasmus Leva Maricakis. Uh, I expect you to remember that name. <laughs> Uh, he, he pointed out that Matthew introduces this point where Jesus is going to bring light into the darkness, bringing light to the nations. This is the beginning of the, it's the spark in the dark, the beginning of the light that will spread. And it, it's an image that, that makes us think, okay, here people are going to begin to see. Jesus comes as light. But the text itself says that the first thing that Jesus does is that walking by the Sea of Galilee, he sees two brothers. He sees these brothers. Jesus looking upon the disciples. You know? There's something here, Marikakis says, of needing to be seen before we can see. Being seen by God. That God comes and looks upon us and opens our eyes by his own sight. Isn't that beautiful? We can be seen. We can only be seen and see our Savior if we know that we need salvation, that we recognize the place that we're in, that we recognize the darkness that we're in. So there's an invitation here for all of us as disciples of Jesus to recognize the darkness and the gloom and to be okay with that. To accept that, the, the reality that there's darkness and gloom in our own lives. I was praying through this, um, this scripture over the past week, but yesterday I made a holy hour in the morning, and I said, I'm going to pray over my fears. You know, I want to be seen by Jesus. I want all the darkness in my life, and fear is a part of that. I want fear to be seen by Jesus. So I started praying that, and I thought, oh, there's not many, but I could name them one. 
and I, I start to get them out, and then I got scared. <laughs> I didn't like that. Um, it did. It scared me because I was seeing something and wondering how deep is this? How deep does this run? There's plenty there. Um, yeah, it was. It was fearful. I, I returned. To, I kind of abandoned that prayer. Sorry, you, <laughs> your 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 priest is weak with his prayer. Um, I don't know. You can teach me. Uh, I returned to that prayer though, um, just as I was going going to sleep. I make a regular. Um, examination of my life and, and uh, conscience and of the day and I thought oh maybe this is the time to revisit that prayer and as I'm praying this there's all of these examples that come to mind and I felt as I prayed through these fears um, inviting Jesus to look upon me with these fears I felt like they were being taken away and at some point in that prayer I don't know when um, I fell asleep um, there was a great peace that came from this prayer, I, somehow mysteriously to me. We don't like to look at the depths. We don't like to look at the darkness. But when we place it in front of Jesus, our prayer can be transformed. Um, our, we, we find peace in Jesus. And we recognize something powerful that is that, that we suffer. But this is the power. The recognition of our suffering is the power of, uh, that leads to compassion. Compassion is a word, it's made up of two uh, Latin words. Con means with, passio means to suffer. So the word compassion means to suffer with. And the only way that we get to compassion, this goal that Jesus is attempting to teach his disciples, that he's forming his disciples in, is to recognize our own suffering. You know, that is there. Much of the time, we want to look at our suffering, we want to look at our fear in the darkness and avoid that. We want to control it. We want to find our own comfort, our suffering, our fears, our darkness, into the presence of Jesus. That doesn't mean that it goes away right away. It just means that we're, it's an act of trust. You can bring light, you can bring peace where there is not. And our prayer transforms. And when I came to Mass today, I didn't come saying, Lord, here's all my problems, you know, fix this. I do that. I do that regularly. <laughs> uh, but today I've, I felt compelled to pray for others, to pray for others who are suffering. Um, this is the growth of compassion, and I thank the Lord for that grace. Um, that recognizing my own darkness, and when we recognize our own darkness, then we, like the disciples, can be called to be a light to others. It transforms our prayer. You know, it, it draws our attention to the causes of this world and to the suffering around us. You know? We, as Christians, ought to be a light to the nations, an example of compassion. Would that everyone would say, Catholics are people who are compassionate. They can suffer with people. They can suffer with those who are suffering. And we're formed in prayer, in, in the presence of Jesus, formed to, to pray for those who are suffering, everything we know about, to pray for those who are suffering from the coronavirus across the world, you know, because we, we care about them, because we suffer with them somehow, to, to pray for those who are suffering from wildfires in Australia, to pray for immigrants who are alone and afraid and looking for a place to settle with their family. 
to pray for this week we remembered uh, Roe versus Wade, and we're, we've been praying for all of the babies who have been aborted. And we pray with compassion and suffering. We suffer with all of those mothers and fathers who suffer the terrible consequences, um, suffer, that go through life in pain, um, with a sadness in, in the depths. But we're there to suffer with them, to help where we can and uh, to do what we can. When we, when we meet people who are suffering, to be there to try to help and comfort them. Um, but there's lots of people who are suffering that we'll never meet, but we can, we can pray with them. We can be formed in compassion with them. And this is the beautiful gift that, that the Lord offers us today, um, the gift of compassion, that the Lord transforms us. He gives peace where we find fear. It says in the... In this, the psalm today, the Lord is my salvation, whom shall I fear? And when we can set that aside, when we can set all our fears aside and give them to Jesus, let him have them, trust him, then he can transform our prayer from that of concern for ourselves, concern for our own comfort, and then to bring comfort to other people. And this is the great joy of Andrew and Peter, of James and John, that their life is taken from what they thought was their goal and is transformed into something more beautiful than they could have ever imagined. You know? That's the gift and the invitation of our Jesus. We're at the start of something. If you feel like you have room for growth in your compassion, then um, you're in a good place. Because you know? then there is room for growth. The Lord can teach us. The Lord is helping us. Don't be afraid to recognize the suffering in your own life. There's freedom there. There's peace. There's transformation and there's compassion. Um, the Lord invites us today along with Peter and, and Andrew and James and John to follow him in this school. We ask that the Lord give us graces to persevere in the school of compassion that he teach us, that he enlighten us along the way, and then he give us the grace to encounter and be aware of all of those people who are suffering. So that without fear, knowing the peace of Jesus, knowing his salvation, knowing his light, we can bring that to the nations.